purpose. Now, this is um, um, something that I hope will resonate with all of us. Um, when I was thinking about, um, about my life, and I was thinking about how, like, even from a young age, I had the privilege of being brought into a Christian family, being brought up and in that world, going to church and, and experiencing God at church and teaching. And, and I knew from a young age, um, when I encountered God, I knew that um, I wanted to live for God. I wanted my life to to be about God. I can even say that, um, I, like, it was probably from the age of eight years old, I said to God, God, I want to live my life for you. I want my life to have purpose, and I want my life to have meaning. And I know if I, that is going to happen for me, that I need to live for you. And, um, and so, but since then, since the age of eight, um, I can tell you I have not been... Um, an angel that whole time, um, all these years. I have made mistakes. I have lived in the consequences of some of those mistakes and regretted some of those mistakes. I've made choices and decisions that, that I can look back upon and think, I wish I'd made different choices and dis different decisions. And I think we can all get like that, can't we? We can all look at different choices and decisions. No matter what our heart desire is or our uh, motivation is, we can look back and think, um, I wish I'd done something different. I wish I did something different. But, you know, any, what's, what I kind of sort of like feel is that, do you know if God did everything that I asked him for or asked him like where I, I could be right now, if I asked, if he answered all those prayers, I don't think I would be standing here today. I think I would be completely somewhere different because God didn't answer or give everything that I asked for. And yet I can look at my life now and I can look and be really thankful for the, the place where God has brought me, the things that are in my life. I give God thanks for those things. And I can look at my life and I can think, yes, God's hand was upon my life. But there, the, that, that prayer that I spoke when I was eight years old and every day, well, most days since, that I want to live in the, prep, in the purposes of God, I can see that God did have his hand on my life. And it doesn't look like me getting everything that I want. It doesn't look like me doing everything that I want to do. It doesn't look like me achieving everything that I want to achieve. It looks, it looks different. You know, some people say, why was I ever born? I'm not important. Why am I here? And so often it's when we don't know that God has a great plan for us that we can start asking God, what is my, the point of my life? Am I a mistake? You know, it's not an accident that you are here today. It's not an accident that you are alive. It's not an accident that you are born. You know, no matter what you are going through or circumstances that you are going through, and you're thinking, I've wasted my life. I've made wrong decisions. I'm just a waste of space. You know, that's not true for any one of us. That's actually a lie of the enemy. You know, if you hear yourself say, I am a waste of space, 
If ever you hear yourself saying, there's no reason for me to be here. If you ever hear yourself saying, that what is the point of my life? That is a lie of the enemy trying to, to stop you from knowing that you have the purposes of God on your life. There is a, there's a path set before you that God has ordained before you. Now, it may be that where you are here today, maybe it's not what you dreamed of. Maybe it is what you dreamed of. Maybe you are living the dream and thinking, oh, yes, this is what I asked for, and, and God has really provided for me, and this is brilliant. Or maybe you're living your worst nightmare. But wherever you are in your circumstances and situation, your life is not a waste, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And even if you don't have the right opportunities, and even if you are in a terrible situation, and even if you do have regrets, and maybe you do look back on those regrets, maybe the regrets that you've got in your heart is clouding your judgment and you can't see what there is before you because of the regrets. God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. Now, I don't know, like, if you um, have had this, but this is something that I find quite a bit, actually. You know, when you look back over your life in some of those really difficult situations of, like, um, maybe things that have happened in your life that are really difficult, really hard, and, and you can look back on those things and you can actually see the hand of God in your life. Even when you're going through it, you might have felt, where is God in this? What is going on, God? What is going on here? And sometimes when we look back, we think, actually, I can see that, that God was there in those moments. God was with me in those moments. I might not have felt it. I might not have known it. I might not have even felt the wisdom of God in those moments. But God was right there with me. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And the full verse is found in Joel 2, verse 25. It says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts and other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. The prophet Joel is speaking to the people of Israel God's promise to restore that which was destroyed, that which was lost. The locust mentioned here is often a symbol of destruction and devastation. And God promises to make amends to the people, to help them and say, I'm going to provide for you in this hardship. You know, God never promises that we won't have trouble. He never promises that we won't have trouble or hardship or difficulties. But what he does promise is that he will restore to us the years that the locusts have eaten. He will bring restoration to us. He will bring blessing to us. And this is a promise of God. And Joel is giving the people of God a message of hope and encouragement for those facing adversity. And we can hold on to that. And we can have hope in our own lives because the promise of God is that I am with you. I am going to bring restoration to you. I am going to bless you. 
Maybe someone needs to hear that today, that God promises to restore what has been lost or destroyed. And maybe you do have regrets because of some of your choices have led you to, to where you are today. And you feel like, if I knew today what I knew back then, I would have made different choices. But God wants to say to you, I will restore to you what you have lost. This does not change that you have still, you have purpose. So whatever you've gone through, whatever circumstances you have gone through, it does not change that God has got a purpose for your life. So maybe now, even, maybe now, or maybe even over the next few days, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I believe that even in this moment, the Holy Spirit may be even like bringing healing to your heart and your life, reminding you of those choices and decisions that that has led you to where you are today. Maybe uh, mistakes that you have made that you're holding on to and you regret. And you say, God, I just so regret that. Maybe just, um, maybe even life choices. Maybe, I mean, it could be as simple as you picked the wrong job and now you regret that you picked that job. Um, because it's got you to where, you, you know, maybe you would have thought, I would have done something different. Or maybe if I'd studied a different course at university. Or maybe if I had, went into, had different kind of relationships. Maybe this, maybe we can have so many different regrets that have led us to where we are today. But the Lord wants to speak to you this morning and say, I want to heal you. Do you know there's nothing wrong with having regrets? Because we can just give those regrets to God. And he brings healing to us. He brings restoration to us. And he uses our circumstances of today to bring glory to himself. He can use you in your circumstances, wherever you are, whatever choices that you've made, whatever regrets that you have. He can use you today in the circumstances that you are in. Your life is not a waste it's not a waste at all. Um, so when we become Christians, we start this lifelong journey of discovering our purpose, why we were made, why we are alive, why we are here. And at every junction of that lifelong journey, we get to choose, do we continue in that purpose or not? And yes, sometimes we do make a mistake and we get off course, or, but the path never moves away. And we can always go back to where God, as, where God was before. So this morning I prepared for you today. Um, this is just to encourage you, really, um, that your life is so precious. And it's really important that today, when you go away, that you realize, remember, take on board, Give God thanks that you have a very precious life. Your life is really, really precious. How you live your life, the choices that you make, is, is, is um, all part of um, how you do that is to be in line with the purposes of God for your life. Because you have got purpose. 
And when we know what the purposes of God of our life, it's just influence our choices and decisions. But I want to talk to you to this morning about how you can discover more of who you are as you live your life on that journey, as you deepen your faith and your relationship with Jesus, staying in the purpose of God for your life. As you are rooted in your faith and guided by the teachings of the Bible, you will start to recognize your unique design, the faith to seek God's will, the strength to overcome challenges, and the wisdom of how to live a life of love. Have you ever read the book, I don't know if you've managed to read all the way through the book of Esther, now, this is an amazing book of the Bible, um, a really amazing story. I mean, if you haven't managed to read this story, I'd like to encourage you to, to, to maybe try and read it, because um, you will be really encouraged. And maybe if it was a long time ago you last read it, maybe after today you might think, actually, I'll read this again. And it's an amazing story of a young woman who was an ordinary woman. She was an orphan. She had no parents, and she was brought up by her uncle Mordecai. And there were immigrants living in a foreign country. And the king at that time had such great wealth and power. And he loved to show everybody or everything that he had, everything that he owned, he'd love to show everybody his glory. The king had to find himself a new queen because his previous queen, Queen Vashti, she decided that she wanted to do her own thing. She didn't want to listen or respond to the king anymore. So the king decided, I'm going to find myself a new queen. So the story goes that there is this search to find a new wife. And Esther is this beautiful Jew, and she's never been married. And she gets selected to... Go to undergo like a whole year of treatments to get her prepared to be the, ki the king's wife. And after this year of preparation, she gets presented to the king. And then the king decides, do he, does he like her? Does he fancy her? Does he think she's going to be a great queen? And if he does like her, then she becomes the queen. And as it happens, the king did like Esther. And he decided to make her a queen. The king had a commander called Haman, who he gave authority to act on his behalf. Now, the problem with Haman was because he had such authority to act on the king's behalf, he, th he thought he should be treated like the king. And he, he was such a proud man. He wanted people to bow before him. He wanted people to honor him and be afraid of him like they would be with the king. But Mordecai, um, Esther's uncle, didn't think he deserved this kind of honor. And so he wouldn't bow before him. He wouldn't like be in fear when he saw Haman. And this really, really got annoyed Haman. It annoyed Haman so much that when he found out that Mordecai was a Jew, he decided to go to the king and ask him, can we annihilate all the Jews? Because they're, they're just not good people. We don't like them. They don't really do what we want them to do. So let's just get rid of them all. And the king agreed to this. So I want to pick up the story from Esther chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So, verse 1. Esther 4, verse 1. 
When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuch and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's enochs, assigned to attend, to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Athak went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susia to show Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go to the king's presence, to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Asuk went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susia and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though, it is against, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. The story goes on to how Esther saved the Jews. It's a brilliant story. If you've not read it, read it. It's a brilliant story. Esther saves the Jews. Haman was punished for his crimes. Mordecai given a position of honor in the king's court. And the story of Esther can even be interpreted because it doesn't actually mention God once in that story, which is an amazing passage of scripture. And so we can interpret this scripture of like, well, well in, as, um, as um, a way of like seeing how prayer works. 
you know, when we can look at it and read it, and it helps us to understand certain things about God and of being this royal, majestic king of power and authority and how we can come into the presence of the Most High King. This story of a young orphan girl, because we were once orphans. We were once orphans. So you've got a story of this young orphan girl raised to go into this royal place. She was given a royal position to go and work alongside the king. And when she went to see the king, he was pleased when he saw her and listened to her request and gave her what she asked for. He said to her, I will give you half of my kingdom. Now, when we go to our Heavenly Father in our prayers, he is pleased for us to come into his presence. Before we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were like that, orphans. And now we are sons and daughters of the King, and we can freely come into his presence of the King and make our requests known. Esther did not need to be afraid. And Mordecai pointed out to Esther that the position that she was in was probably is, is so that it was for, the, for such a time as this. That this was her purpose. That the position that she finds herself right now, that, that it was because God had planned for it all to happen so that she could be in the right position at the right time so that she can come before the king and rescue a whole nation. You see, you might not be like a queen, like Esther. You may not be some influential politician or businessman. You may not be some famous TikToker or YouTuber. Maybe you are some ordinary person hanging out with ordinary people, getting on with ordinary things. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your purpose, you have favor, and influence with the Most High God. Now, isn't that amazing? It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter how, where you find yourself today. You have favor and influence to go before the Most High God. I've come up with four suggestions of how we can live with purpose. Recognize that you are unique and you are chosen. Seek the wisdom and will of God. Overcome challenges. Live a life of love. And I'm just going to go through each one of those. And the first one is recognize that you are unique and you are chosen. Now, I don't think that what I prepare today is going to be some huge new revelation for you, but if you go away this morning and recognizing something fresh of the promise of God over your life, that you are unique, that you are chosen, that something of God like anchors that into your heart and your soul of how unique and, and how much you are chosen in God, that that will change and alter the, how you walk your life that you will walk in the purposes of God if you recognize that you are unique, that you are chosen. There is this beautiful psalm um, 
139, a well-known psalm, um, and I want to read verses 13 to 16. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My fame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you realize how unique you are? Do you realize how precious and special you are? That God created you, that God knitted you together. He knew you before the foundations of the world. Now, sometimes we recognize our own uniqueness and we can be um, embarrassed of it or ashamed of it in some way. And sometimes we feel like we have to hide <coughs> ourselves or cover something up or we can't be ourselves because we're too fearful. You know, the Lord wants you to know that you are so precious and special and that your uniqueness is something that just um, brings out something of who God is, some a different aspect of who God is. We should never be afraid of our uniqueness. In fact, we should embrace our uniqueness and champion one another's uniqueness. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Jesus. So these verses, they talk about how in Christ Jesus that we have purpose, that we weren't anything before. We were just some, we were just like nothing. Well, we were just like people, like, but we weren't part of a people. We were like wanderers in the desert, like orphans without a father. But Jesus called us, He chose us, and He brought us to be part of a people. He rescued us and saved us and gave us a purpose in life. He rescued you. When you came to Christ, you became part of something. You entered into the purposes of God, which he had planned for you from before you were even created. You became God's, one of God's chosen ones. Like Esther, none of us was anything special. And like Esther, who became someone with significance, so do we when we receive Christ to be the Lord of our lives. If you don't feel significant this morning, I want you to be really, really encouraged because you are significant. You really are significant. That when Jesus looks at you, he looks at you as his chosen one, as his loved one. He has made you royal. You are part of the priesthood. You are really, really precious and unique to him. You have a purpose. You have a place of significance. 
You are a royal priesthood. You are royalty in Christ Jesus. You can enter into his presence as a son or daughter. Your purpose, why you, why you were made, why you are alive, the reason that you woke up this morning is to be a child of God, to be in relationship with a God who loves you. You are unique. You are chosen. Another way to live with purpose is to seek the wisdom and will of God. Now, be encouraged today to seek the wisdom and will of God in all the decisions in your life, big decisions in your life. I'm not talking about what shall I have for breakfast or what shall I wear. But you know those kind of decisions that like affect your time, your energy, your finances? We need to go to God and ask God about those things. Ask for wisdom for those things. What is it that God wants me to do? How does God want me to live? What are the choices that I need to make in this place? Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, the Bible encourages us to seek a life of faith and wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. It's important that we place our trust in God, relying on his wisdom and guidance rather than just trying to work it out on our own. Sometimes God gives us the wisdom to know what we should do, but sometimes we need to go to God and say, God, what shall we do? And you know, the wonderful thing is that he does, when, he, when we ask him to come and be part of our lives, he, we become part of a people, so we don't have to be on our own in this. So not only do we have God with us, but we are part of a people that can help us. There are people that have gone before us, that are, that are more mature, that have, that have experienced life, that, that can help us as well. You know, if, if it was up to Esther, she may not have done anything. You know, she listened to Mordecai. She listened to him. And because she listened to him, she found the confidence, the boldness to approach the king. As you acknowledge God in all your ways and seek out his wisdom by listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, God will direct you and guide your path and make you be in the right places at the right time. And you will have such an adventure with God knowing that you are partnering with him and doing the things that he's called you for. And that's what it's like living in the purposes of God responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never um, um, asked the Holy Spirit to help you or to guide you, you know, maybe this is a good time to start and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need your leading in this. I need you to help me with this. And sometimes you may hear the Holy Spirit speak to you straight away, but maybe you've never really heard the Holy Spirit and you find that hard to hear. Do, is it the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is it your own thoughts? Is it your own mind? Know that when you ask the Lord to help you, he will help you. Whether you understand it or not, 
whether you realize the Lord is helping you or not, when you submit yourself to God and say, God, I want you to help me in this, he will help you and he will be there for you. Um, prayer and discernment are important. Seek the wisdom and will of God for your life. Another way to live with purpose is overcome challenges. Now, challenges are a part of life. We will always have challenges in this life, whether we are a Christian or whether we are not a Christian. Becoming a Christian doesn't stop you from having challenges. I'm really sorry to say, but it is true. We will have challenges whether we are a Christian or not. When you live with purpose, you will find that not only are you able to overcome your challenges, but you will learn from them. You will grow in them. You will discover something about yourself in them. You will see how God has put you in, in situations or circumstances where he wants to help you to grow. You will find yourself in situations and circumstances that God didn't even put you in, and you will find that he will help you to grow in those places too. In James 1, um, verse 2 to 4, provides us insight into perseverance through trials. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if anyone came up to you and said, Cheer up! You're going through this hard time. You're going to learn something. You might as well be happy. You'd want to box them on the nose, wouldn't you? I know. I would. You know, no one likes to hear that. Cheer up. It's okay. What you're going through. I know it's very tough. And you're crying all the time. It's painful. Cheer up. What's wrong with you? It's not really helpful, is it, when someone says that? But do you know what? When I read this passage in the Bible, it makes me think, do you know what? When I'm going through difficult times, I can know pure joy. And the reason why I can know pure joy going through difficult circumstances is because I know Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit ministers to me. The Holy Spirit comforts me. The Holy Spirit gives me wisdom and it helps me to see what he is doing in my life. You know what? I think the joy is seeing the work of God in our lives, seeing how we are growing. You know, sometimes we can be under such extreme pressure and stress and yet something beautiful blossoms up from within us. There is a wisdom there that we didn't even know was there. There's a strength there that we didn't realize was there. There's courage. There's something there that we think, I would never have seen that. I would never have known that if I wasn't going through the difficulty that I was going. You know, sometimes the, the difficulties that we are going through does help us to grow in God, helps us to lean into God, to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And so faith actually rises up. Hope increases in our lives. We get peace that passes understanding. Finally, live a life of love. Love is the foundation of our purpose. And if we want to live a purposeful life, the foundation is love. There's something about love is that um, 
got something really, really wonderful that I just think is absolutely amazing. No, God created you for purpose. And the way that you discover what that purpose is, the way that you experience and can live out that purpose is, that, is by experiencing his love. I think that's amazing that he creates you for purpose and then says, right, the way you're going to find your purpose is by knowing what my, by experiencing my love. You know, we, experience, we know the purposes of God in our lives when we experience his love. When we put ourselves in that place and we say, God, you love me. Because his love changes us, it transforms us, it motivates us, inspires us, helps us to see how we can live our lives like him. You know, when we, we experience his love, we can live a life of love because we can love others the way that he loves us. That unconditional love, that unconditional grace, that unconditional forgiveness that we experience from our Father we can think, okay, God, I need your strength and power right now so that I can live a way of love the way that you love me. We fulfill our God-given mission when we live a life of love. In Corinthians 16, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, it's just, it's just a few words. It just says this. Do everything in love. The way that we live, the way that we make choices, the kind of choices that we make, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, the way we pray, the way we forgive, let it all be done in love. Let this verse remind you that love should be a foundation and motivation for all your actions and interactions with others. Love is the foundation of our purpose. I believe that God puts a desire in each and every one of us to want to know what our purpose is. It is from God that we would want to find meaning in how we live. So let's be those that live with purpose. Let's recognize that we are unique, God's chosen, special children. Let's respond and live in the wisdom and the will of God. Let's overcome challenges that we face and know that it's part of our growing and maturing. Let's be determined to live from a place of love, knowing and experiencing God's love and loving others in the way that we are loved by God. And as you embark on this journey to discover the purpose of God in your life, you will bring glory to the one who created you. When you're living in the purposes of God for your life, God is glorified. So may you find motivation and strength in that. Let me just pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God. I thank you, God, that, that each and every one of us here has a purpose. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you saw us from before the foundations of the world. And you already decided that we would be in what we would be, who we would be. 
And Lord Jesus, I just pray for every single person in this room, Lord, that who feel like they have regrets, that, Lord God, I just pray that you will just bring healing, Lord God, in that. Lord God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that, that any one of us, Lord God, that find ourselves in circumstances that we just wish we weren't in and we don't know what to do about it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will find our purpose in that. That we will know your wisdom in that. That we can be fully who you created us to be in that. So Lord, I just pray for your blessing, for your presence. I pray that each one of us here in this room will hear your voice, Lord Jesus that we'll know your promptings of the Holy Spirit as we go about our daily walk, our daily lives. I thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name.